Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawksfield at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Coach Belichick will forever be celebrated as a legendary sports icon here in New England. And I believe go in as a pro football Hall of Famer on the first ballot. Why? Because he is the greatest coach of all times. Belichick's going to become the oldest coach supplanting Tom Coughlin. He was 65 when he beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 46. And there it is. The dynasty continues. It's with um, just so many fond memories and, and uh, thoughts that I you know, think about the Patriots and, and I'll always be a Patriot. I look forward to coming back here. Uh, but at this time, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to move on. And uh, I look forward and excited for the future. Good morning. Welcome in to Herd at Sports Radio here on AM 590, ESPN Omaha, and ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm Robbie Lula, Andrew Rogers. Uh, not here with me, but on the show with me this morning. Uh, we have to give a shout-out to our fearless leader, Sasha, for braving it in so we could be on the air this morning. Andrew and I were not able to make it into the the uh, Herd at Sports Bar and Grill, as you could probably see by our different backgrounds here this morning. But uh, we've got a show for you anyway. So we are, uh, we've got you jam-packed here on a Friday. Uh, plenty of coaching stuff to catch up on from yesterday because apparently all the coaches decided to quit on the same day. Uh, we also have uh, some really good guests for you this morning. Coming up at 745, we will talk to Adam McClintock, the college football professor, uh, the founder, co-founder of Matrix Analytical. He is kind of the coaching metrics guru. Uh, so with all this going on, we had to get him on. And coming up at 8 o'clock, we've got Nick Ba. may have heard of him, college basketball analyst for FS1, host of the Nick Ba podcast, and, of course, the Chicken Nick Show. Coming up at 8.45, we've got Vinny Iyer from Sporting News. He's an NFL writer. We'll talk about Belichick. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Pete Carroll. We'll talk about all uh, the playoff uh, implications coming up this weekend as well. And then, of course, our Friday regulars, Mike Sauter from Herd at Sports at nine, and then wrapping up the week and the show with Matt Verzel at nine forty-five. But before we get any further, let's let's cross our fingers. See if I can hear my guy Andrew. How you doing this morning? I, I don't have you, Andrew. I got nothing. I'm just kidding. I'm oh. just mouthing. Oh. <laughs> I had I had to play with you a little bit. Okay. I'm just playing. I know I Sasha was probably is. panicking, though. She was definitely panicking when she saw that uh, all you could see were my lips. No, this isn't the Herd at Sports Bar and Grill, though. This would be Anthony Rezac if it were. Uh, instead, it's just a nice painting that looks like it's been picked up from Hobby Lobby by the fiancé. Uh, but that's about it. I, I can't really tell you where I was going to say, from. that is not Anthony Rezac. <laughs> Definitely not. But uh, you know what? Maybe it shows a little bit of what Anthony Rezac's all about, underestimated 
you know, the, it's not people don't think he has a lot of color, but if you stare at it long enough, you're like, wow, that's probably like a really expensive piece of art. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, it's a good day. It's a weird day. I'd rather be in studio, sitting next to you, my guy. But uh, you know, we make do with what we have, and we got a great show going. So. Um, excited for that. But yes, you're right. Sasha is an absolute animal. Can't give her enough credit for making the trek this morning. We call her our fearless leader and it's kind of like just like a figure of speech. But like today she was actually fearless. Hey, yeah, thanks no, for that. <laughs> so we definitely appreciate Sasha. As you can see, I don't know if you can tell, I got a little, see if I can point to it. That's that's Pedro Martinez right there in that frame in the background. That's my guy. Hey, that was well done. I I can't ever figure out like the direction. It on took screen. me a minute. You that can was... see. I was like, er, er. it's like trying to, it's like trying to, it. it's like trying to wipe your butt with your left hand. You're like, what's happening here? <laughs> um. <laughs> and I know the feeling because everybody's done it at least once, dude. So I had uh, I had shoulder surgery when I was in high school on my right arm, and so for like two months I had to go lefty, and I got to tell you, it doesn't get any easier. Maybe I'm just not coordinated, but it was a full eight weeks of like, oh, come on. Uh, I should have just bought a bidet at that point. Well, so you told me, too, like hand surgery is upcoming. Is that on your right or left? Well, so it's the right first, and then they're doing the left, like, I don't know, six weeks later or something. But Oh, man, I feel bad for you. Stupid, like, I got trigger fingers. I can't, like, bend my fingers. Well, normally it's... people pull the trigger with their pointer finger. Not well, their yeah, it's, you know, I got a middle on this one. I got a ring finger on this one. This is great radio if you're not watching on the stream. But uh, we we do have a jam-packed show for you here today on a Friday. Hope everybody is safe and warm in their houses and that they didn't have to go anywhere this morning uh, like Sasha did. But we have, we've got some Nebraska news. They landed linebacker Stefan Thompson Kind of the last piece of that transfer visiting class that we'd been waiting on. Uh, during the show yesterday, we got the word on Jamal Banks being in. Stephon Thompson, the former Syracuse linebacker, so he's got a history with Tony White. He is in as well. Um, one of the only areas on the defense that I think people were kind of like, uh, might be able to use a little depth here. They're a little concerned about. And that getting this uh, transfer in Stephon Thompson, I think, eases some of those concerns. Obviously, getting uh, Bullock back for an extra year was a big help in that spot as well. But um, this, I mean, this Nebraska staff seems to be on a roll lately. Every time we turn around, it seems like they're getting another impact player, whether it's going all the way back to the high school recruiting season or in the transfer portal. Um, you know, we say it all the time, off-season champions, but Coach Rule and company are kind of killing it. It feels like this season is, is just different. One, because uh, of Dylan Rayola. I mean, Dylan, yeah. and, uh, and getting the quarterback of your future. Uh, but two, you're absolutely right. And I, I think they do a nice job of balancing uh, what they uh, kind of have set forth for the program with knowing the area of needs and going to the portal for that experience. Like they don't go too far into the portal where it's kind of like, okay, now we have too much to kind of decide from. They go into the portal enough to fill the need, but then understand that, okay, if we hit our cap, which mm -hmm. it seems like they're getting close to that when they hit that cap, it's like now our developmental guys 
are going to be the ones that fill the rest of this roster up. I, I just think they do a great job of figuring out exactly what they need, but they don't overdo it. They aren't doing things like what Deion Sanders has done in Colorado, where it's like, no, I got to get everybody and their mother in the portal. Mm -hmm. No, it's no, I'm going to go to the portal and fill my need, figure out who's the right fit for this program while also mixing them in to who we are already have in the room. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly targeted, right? They're incredibly precise about where they go after, what they're targeting. You know, it's, uh, I'm not a big, like, you know, hunting gun guy, but it's like a, it's like a sniper versus a shotgun, right? Shotgun, you kind of get the spray, you get the blast. That's kind of what Dion does, and he's just is sort of hoping he hits something. We saw it with Mel Tucker up at Michigan State as well. And sometimes you do hit something, right? Like Mel Tucker got Kenneth Walker. He had that really good second season uh, where they ended up having a, a ton of success and sort of out of nowhere, right? But it's because they hit on a bunch of those portal guys with that widespread effort this is much more targeted much more precise and listen i'm not saying one way is better than the other but this is what coach rule said he was about and then he's shown that and executed that to perfection really the only piece left that i would look at and say hey i think this is where they need a little help and we've talked about this is backup quarterback and when you're talking about mm -hmm. a backup spot you're in pretty good shape i mean they got an extra offensive lineman, which I didn't even think they necessarily needed, but obviously that's helpful always, right? It's like offensive and defensive lineman, you will always take, no matter what your situation looks like, right? Like, yes, we will take more offensive and defensive linemen. But outside of that one, they've been really specific about their areas of need. They've been really specific about who they went after. And if they get a backup quarterback after the spring period, like, I mean, that's, that's you know, 10 out of 10, no notes. Like, I, I don't have any complaints or been like, oh, I wish they would have got this guy or maybe that guy. I mean, I guess you could say maybe you would have liked to see one more linebacker out of the group, but for the most part, they've really nailed it in terms of how they've approached this offseason. And there's a lot of good quarterbacks still on the transfer portal that would yeah. make a great backup. I, I mean, you you saw Clifton McDowell enter the portal recently. He's the Montana quarterback, made it all the way to the FCS national title game. Of course, went up against the juggernaut known as SDSU and Montana Oof. just fell short. But much. he's yeah, he's somebody to keep an eye on. And I know there's been a little bit of smoke out there. I don't know how dark that smoke actually is, but there's been a little bit. You also have my guy Matthew Sluke, I believe, still, still available. Out there. In the Last port. I saw, yeah. Um, your guy, James Madison's quarterback, still available right yeah. now. So there's just there's a lot of names out there that you can mix in to where you're comfortable if Dylan's not ready yet, that these guys can step up for the first few games and and really um, kind of like get, get Nebraska's season off to a good start. But if Dylan is ready, which we all hope he is, mm -hmm. these guys or whoever the guy is needs to be okay with coming over at, say it's their senior season or it's their junior season. They have to be okay with competition, not just riding the pine, but competition and, and, and working with a younger quarterback, knowing what Nebraska has set up for themselves for the future. Well, and I think you brought up a good point there because if you're a transfer, you're really walking into a, a strange situation, right? Nobody wants you to be the starting quarterback, which as a transfer quarterback, that's pretty unusual. <laughs> Right, that I mean, like so, so funny to actually say out loud. Right, but it, it, you're if you're at if you're transferring as a quarterback to Nebraska, you're walking into a situation. 
probably one of the only situations in the country where not a soul wants you to be the starting quarterback, right? Like that is a crazy situation to walk into. So you almost have to have a guy that wants to be a coach moving forward as much as he wants to be a player. And a lot of quarterbacks go into coaching, right? So it's not a crazy ask, especially as you get to a, especially as you get to some of the older guys, guys that maybe use their COVID year are on their fifth, sixth, maybe even their seventh year. Uh, and, spe- and, you know, kind of t- tying that into a guy in his seventh year that there were rumors about for this type of role for Nebraska. Uh, a former Husker, Casey Thompson, is finally why not out of the portal and has committed to Oklahoma for year number seven. Now, that's a guy I hey, also... some people go to hey, Robbie, some people go to school for 10 years. Yeah, they're called doctors. Um, I have to imagine that Casey Thompson might also be a transfer quarterback that nobody at Oklahoma wants to start either. Um, No offense to Casey Thompson. We love CT here. But you have to think that if he beats out any of their recruits, then something has gone wrong for Oklahoma, right? Kind of the same thing with Nebraska. If whoever is brought in to be a transfer quarterback ends up starting games, something has gone wrong. Either Rayola wasn't quite ready yet or got banged up a little bit. Something has happened where you're like, ah, I really wish we didn't have to be in this situation, but we are. Casey Thompson's the same way. Now, part of this for him is probably just, I I believe his dad played for Oklahoma. Like he, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a homecoming for him. So part of it literally might just be putting on the uniform, right? Like there's probably something, you know, we talked about it yesterday with Danny Woodhead, right? There's something that would have been special for him just to run out of the tunnel at Memorial Stadium. Not that he regrets anything that happened at Shadron State, because obviously things worked out phenomenally for him. But you're in a situation where, like, just one time, maybe it would have been nice to run out of the tunnel. I think maybe that's what's happening here with Casey Thompson as much as anything. Because I got to say, if if Oklahoma ends up starting Casey Thompson, like, I have real concerns for Oklahoma. Well, he won't start. He's expected to back up Jackson Arnold anyway, who, I mean, he made his first start in the Alamo Bowl and – was uh, he threw forty five passes in that game? Was was had a pretty high completion percentage. I think he was around 25, 26. I know he threw for over three hundred and fifty yards, uh, but he did have three picks, so he showed a little bit of youth there. But and that's kind of where you have to worry about with the youth, right? Right. But beside all that, I mean, what does Casey Thompson offer that is a leg up on what Jackson Arnold brought in that one game. Not so much, right? I mean, he had 2,400 yards with the Huskers, 17 touchdowns, didn't really light the world on fire, went to FAU, didn't have enough time to really even uh, put up a a proper stat line, Mm -hmm. a career line there. But you're right. You know, he's an Oklahoma high school star. This dude had 12,000 840 yards of offense and 154 touchdowns in high school in Oklahoma. Like that's incredible. And he's coming home because he knows that already people, people know his name. People know the name Casey Thompson and whether or not he makes a huge name for himself there or not, it is something to say, Hey, you know, I had this wild collegiate career, but I did end up playing where dad played. I, I did end up playing, in, in my home state, in front of my friends, in front of family, in front of people that knew my name coming out of high school. You know, when you're reading off his high school stats there, I was like, where have I heard numbers like that before? And then I, it, it clicked 
that it was when we were talking about Clayton Thune earlier this week as a, as a Dana Holgerson disciple, mm-hmm. right? That it was like 12,000 yards in college, 140, some touchdowns, something like that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty similar, which kind of reminded me, you know, we hadn't talked about Dana Holgerson in a couple of days here because, well, you know, other things have been happening. Uh, you know, and that's kind of quieted down a bit. So what I've heard recently, just wanted to give a little update, is that he is in contention for an analyst role only. So that that is, he wouldn't be an OC, he wouldn't be quarterback coach, he'd be an analyst, which kind of lines up with a lot of the things he said when he was at Houston that last year, where he's like, kind of seems like he's over the recruiting thing, um, kind of seems like he wants more of a, 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 a scaled back role, and but to still be involved with the game, and that's basically what an analyst is, right? Um, so he can provide some expertise there if he ends up getting the job, uh, but... That means my guy Glenn Thomas is still in line for that role that we talked about as the quarterback coach co-OC the way um, the way I've thought he's been for the last, I don't know, month or so. Uh, the problem is the Steelers just won't die. So they we have to wait for their season to end. No offense, DB. I know you I don't know you're rooting for him to keep going, but uh, you know, the as soon as the Steelers season is over, I imagine we will get an announcement on Glenn Thomas shortly after that. Well, and, you know, I almost wonder, too, if the Huskers are waiting for that move to be made, whether it is Glenn Thomas or or somebody else, whoever ends up being the quarterback's coach, to then go out into the portal and pick the quarterback that you want to join the room, if it is a veteran guy. TK on the stream uh, doesn't think they're going to get one. He thinks if it's anybody, it's going to be another high school guy. I I just don't see it. Uh, There's already – now two high school guys in the room. I, I don't think it makes sense to add a Might third, be a JUCO guy. But Might be a JUCO guy. JUCO guy could could make a little bit of sense. Uh, they yep. have some names in the room as well, but it's it's nothing that jumps off the page. Uh, I will say this, though. If it is Glenn Thomas, Glenn Thomas may have a guy that he likes or yeah. uh, that he sees, and he'll just go to rule and say, we need to bring this guy into the room because here's how it can help us. And if he lays out this master plan to coach rule – who is such a uh, well? He, he trusts for one. Mm-hmm. He trusts the the views of his of his coordinators, of his staff members. But two, if you have a well thought out plan, it's kind of hard to say this isn't going to work because who knows it, what's going to work in in such a new system like this when they're trying to to flip over and turn the page on a ton of different things. If Glenn Thomas has all this experience, he Coach Rule's not not the type of guy to say no. It's my way or the highway. He's like, no, let's embrace. Let, let's do it. Yeah. Let's go your way. I like your vision, and we're going to see if it works. So Thomas comes over in what? Let's just say February. Uh, and then yeah, I would say like a week and a half maybe, but not even till February, I don't think. I think within the next like 10 days. Back end, I, so, assuming, so back end of January. Assuming Pittsburgh doesn't win this week. Which I highly doubt they'll go very far, <laughs> especially since TJ Watt is out. Right. Um, yeah. TK did by he meant uh, a commit in the 2025 class. Okay, so I, I understand where his head's going there. Which is totally fair. I, I do think they will get a transfer. Might be a JUCO guy. Might be a backup somewhere else. Listen, it's not going to be a sexy transfer at quarterback. It's going to be like a probably a guy who hasn't done much starting. They probably just want another body in the room who's been in college football, maybe somebody that runs a similar system to what they're trying to do. Because the issue with Heinrich Harburg, and I know they like Heinrich, uh, like genuinely they like Heinrich, and 
Um, so they're, I, I think they're more comfortable with him as the backup quarterback than the rest of us are. But I still think you're talking about two different offenses between Dylan and uh, Heinrich Harburg. So the big thing, I think, ends up being finding someone who has a similar comfortability in the offense. Even if the play calls change in terms of, hey, maybe we go a little run heavy here. Maybe we don't you know, try and air it out as much as we would with, with DR. You probably are looking for a guy with a more similar skill set. That way you don't really have to change the offense that much. You see this all the time in the NFL where if you've got like a super mobile guy, you try to have a mobile backup so you can kind of have the, the same sort of offense and system and whatever. That's kind of what I imagine they're going to do here. It's, again, not going to be a sexy guy, not going to be a big-time commit, maybe an FCS guy, maybe a JUCO guy, but somebody that's just a little bit older so they aren't relying on a true freshman as a, a, a true freshman that they want to redshirt, by the way, in DK as someone that they may have to put into play at some point. Well, so Dylan Rayola is is slotted up as as QB1 right now in everybody's minds. Okay, yeah. so let's just play out this scenario for a moment because you said it doesn't have to be a sexy guy. Um, I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum now. Are you okay with it just being Heinrich Harburg then, who has a year of experience, who isn't the most sexy of options to back up Dylan Rayola, but has done enough in his career to show you that he can suffice at least for a short time. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a fair question. My concern, again, would be stylistically. Like, I just don't know how much Harburg makes sense stylistically for what I assume they'll be running, you know, with the possible addition of a Dana Holgerson as an analyst. Like, what I assume they're going to be trying to run for Dylan Rayola doesn't make sense as an offense for a... Uh, for a Heinrich Harburg. Like, we're not in the same neighborhood there. So that would be my bigger concern. Like, I I like that he's got experience. I like that he's got, um, you know, I mean, all five games that Nebraska won last year were with him as the starting quarterback. Like, that's that matters to me, even if he is a flawed uh, quarterback. I also think that, I mean, think about the difference we saw from spring Heinrich Harburg to fall Heinrich Harburg under this coaching staff. Like, he might be a lot better next year. Like, I don't think he's going to overtake Dylan by any means, but he no. might be significantly better than we saw him last year. He'll have an offseason to work on his throwing motion. You know, he might be in a spot where by fall, all of us are dramatically more comfortable with him as the backup, even though we may not know it because we haven't seen him, right? He might. We might see that in spring where we're like, oh, Heinrich actually looks all right. Maybe we're okay with him as the backup. I still think just for depth purposes, because if you want to redshirt DK, then you're still only at two scholarship quarterbacks that you feel okay playing pretty much the whole year, right? DK can get his four games in, but I would think you would want that number to be three outside of DK so that you don't have to worry about possibly burning his redshirt in an emergency situation, Mm -hmm. right? So that to me is why I want the third, the extra guy in the room. And again, why it's going to be a not sexy name whatsoever because you're talking about maybe even a third string quarterback. Like you'd be competing with Harburg for the backup job, probably. That's where you're kind of getting into a spot where it's like, yeah, this guy really wants to be a coach. Um, and he just wants to use his last year of eligibility to kind of make that happen and find out, uh, you know, what type of people he'll be around different types of coaches and stuff like that. So that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think it'll happen until spring. I think it'll happen after the spring period because where guys see, hey, I'm not really here, whatever. 
gonna have a whole other uh, we're gonna have a whole other rotation of so Thank you.